0: Hello and welcome to A's Plus, the San Francisco Chronicles podcast on the Oakland A's and Major League Baseball. I'm your host, Chronicle A's beat writer Susan Slesser, and today A's catcher Josh Fegley talks about his excellent record to date behind the plate and about taking a ball off his face in batting practice recently. Then former A's infielder Randy Velarde tells us what he's doing now. Ex-A's pitching coach Rick Peterson is writing a book, and Dave Feldman and I talk about the week in A's baseball, including KD
1: for MVP. Are you feeling overwhelmed by technology? Do you suffer from a nagging fear of missing out? Join Chronicle Managing Editor Fernando Diaz as he talks to a panel of industry experts about the effects of technology on privacy and ways you can protect yourself. It's Chronicle Chats at Herbst Theatre on September 17th. You can purchase tickets at sfchronicle.com slash chats. Today on
0: A's Plus podcast, we welcome A's catcher, Josh Fegley entering his fourth season, not entering, I guess, well into your fourth season here. Uh, And Josh, you uh, have been through kind of uh, some tough seasons with the A's. The last three years, obviously, the team's finished in last place. As a guy who's been here for all of that, what are your thoughts on what this team is doing this year?
2: It's it's really cool to, I mean, I I guess it wasn't as enjoyable the first few years, but it's cool to see how different this year is, and you, you can really feel the vibe. And you come into spring training every season, and you know it's like, hey, there's a different vibe in this clubhouse, and you know the last three years, we said that every spring, and. This this year it's really different, and just to kind of witness the turnaround and, and the the attitude we take into the games it's it's unbelievable, and, and it's been a lot of fun.
0: What's it been like for you as a catcher um, with this pitching staff, particularly the bullpen, which is you know one of the best bullpens I think this team's ever assembled?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think in the past my my mindset has kind of been on you know how can we you know what sequences do we need, um, how can we pitch our way through this game? Now with these guys, the only thing I'm thinking about is just catch it, just stop the ball because <laughs> whatever they're throwing is nasty enough to get the guys. But um, it's such, I mean, such a huge confidence to be in the lead in the seventh inning with these guys. It's you know they come in and nail it down every time, and so um, it's it's great to have those arms.
0: Your rotation now is obviously substantially different than it was to start the season, and it's a lot of veterans. As a catcher, is that, um, does that make things a little easier for you, or in some ways, especially with so many new guys, uh, does that make things a little more challenging at times?
1: Well,
2: I think with the new guys, um, you know, they're still trying to find their pitches. They're still trying to you know, learn, I guess, what they do best against big league hitters. And um, the guys we have now, they have the experience they know what to do they can make pitches they um they know how to pitch they know how to get guys out and you know I think uh Luke Roy and myself you know we've done a good job like handling the staff but there's really you know they're handling themselves and you know we're we're just along for the ride and um like especially with with Trev the last few starts he he knows what he wants to do and uh you know so we we get the plan before we go in and and then it's, it's pretty easy from there.
0: It's so interesting because I think the rotation in many people's minds was the question mark about this team for, for a couple of months there, because you did lose so many starters early in the season. And some of these guys that you brought in were acquired late in the season and during spring training and stuff like that. They've really come together and done extremely well here about the last three weeks or so. What are you seeing from them?
2: Well, I mean, there's something to be said about our offense and the confidence that we give them. Um, we know we're gonna score, you know, we're, we're gonna hit a home run sometime during the game and and I feel like the pitchers know that and going in um, I think something that I've really seen this year is our defense our defense is excellent and They know they just have to execute their pitches, you know, if the guys put the balls in play We've got a defense that can make the plays um, and we're gonna score so it makes their job a lot easier. They're not really pressing to be perfect, and it just takes a lot of pressure off of them.
0: Who is particularly fun to catch this year? Any of these new guys, relievers, starters, anybody that really the first time you caught him, you went, "Well, wow, this is this is a blast."
2: Well, uh, the first time I caught Edwin in Detroit, I thought that was fun. Uh, just, just his veteran presence and what he was doing out there that that was really cool. And I mean, he had a fantastic outing against the Tigers um and then i mean of course catching trevor the last few times in a row this is my only starts but uh we get along great and he's he's fun to have out there so um it's it's just fun to watch this whole staff as a whole i mean everybody and a lot of times the uh the bullpens not necessarily fun to catch because they're so nasty <laughs> but uh <laughs> but it's it's fun when they're in there cuz we're winning. Yeah.
0: Do you like put on extra padding or anything when you you know you've got uh, those guys coming into mm-hmm. the game cuz you're taking a few balls off the yeah. chest and knees and things?
2: I wish there was extra padding I could <laughs> wear, but um it's you know, occupational hazard.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, the other day during batting practice, you uh, took a batted ball off the face. Marcus Simeon got you. Um, explain to us what happened and kind of how you're doing. Because given your injury history the last few years, you must have initially been like, oh no, here we go again. Yeah, I,
2: I don't seem to get the regular injuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the hamstring tightness or anything like that. It's usually obscure things. But yeah, I mean, with the way our bullpens face, I was doing some defensive work and the home plate down there is 10 feet from the foul line. And um, and I, I initially felt bad for Marcus because I'm like, I don't need to be out there during BP anyways uh, in the way. But, um, yeah, he just hit a ball. I guess they said it hooked perfectly right around the net and caught me right in the face. But the good thing um, was I didn't see it coming. You know, I didn't brace or anything. And so it just kind of caught me in, in the face. And, you know, I was – soft enough that I just kind of wore it and um i it stung really bad and i i thought i broke my jaw cuz i couldn't move my face for a second and uh, and then yeah i just kind of just cut my face a little and pretty swollen but i'd say you know 2 days removed from it i feel pretty good so I'm lucky to kind of dodge that one.
0: Yeah, for those, obviously, nobody can see since this is a podcast, but he's, Josh has got a little bit of a well and a little bit of swelling, but it's definitely gone down. Were you, you said the other day that you were a little concerned you might not even be able to get the mask on. Is it Was that painful at all, putting the mask on? How does it feel?
2: It's I mean, it's just tender. It feels like a bruise, but I, I was telling guys uh, it's probably good that I caught my mask on my face the whole day yesterday kind of pushed some of the swelling out, so <laughs> I, I feel a lot better. but i, I the, my only concern was uh taking a foul tip you know and having your face already bruised and then wear it to the to the face but um went the whole game without one yesterday so How when I really that n- never so when I really <laughs> needed to avoid one I didn't get hit so that's good
0: oh, that's incredible yeah you mentioned a little bit uh, you and Trevor seem to have gotten on this really good wavelength what is that like for a catcher when you and a starting pitcher really just start kind of thinking along he's he said he feels like you know him better than he knows himself
2: <laughs> that's awesome um th- there's nothing worse than Kind of scrambling back there and having that feeling that the pitcher is annoyed or that doesn 't want you back there, and that 's happened before with guys, and that 's not a good feeling I can't, like my job's to be there for the pitcher. I want them to know that i 'm there you know any way they need me. My main focus is to do whatever they want, and you know that I try to at least make all the pitchers feel that way and for him to, I guess, say he enjoys me back there, that means a lot. But um, I think we just we have a lot of fun when he's out there, and we work well together. So it's been a fun, fun time.
0: Uh, I know the the team in your last twelve starts the team is eleven and one. Is that something you? I mean, you're probably going to say, "Oh, that's just the pitchers" or something like that. But is it something you ever bring up with Bob Melvin? Like, hey, have you noticed our record recently <laughs> with me in there? <laughs> he,
2: it was. Um, I said, "Well, I, I lost." In Chicago pretty early like my second or third game and then uh, I can't remember it was down the road but he was uh, he's like you got a pretty good street going back there and I, I didn't even realize because I mean you look at our team and I feel like we win every day so um, I, was, I was like I do and then I looked it up and then now I now I kind of have a mental note of where I'm at but uh, yeah I mean it's I think my first year here in 15 we didn't win a game that I started till like June. Oh my God,
0: that's brutal. And,
2: and I was like, I knew it wasn't just me because we weren't very good. But it's like, man, can we just get me a win one time? But Uh-oh, but that's uh, a bad it's just the the team we have, and it doesn't matter who's in there. Everyone's contributing, and um, like I said, you know, you you call it. I'm gonna say our pitching's unbelievable, and our offense, and um, you know, we we have the ability to beat anyone. So uh, it's good to get some wins back there.
0: Well, it's tough sometimes for a backup catcher to contribute offensively. Your, your focus, understandably, is usually pitch, is usually the pitchers and, and doing your job behind the plate. You've been able, especially here in this last month or so, month or maybe month and a half, two months. You've been contributing offensively. Have you gotten sort of into like Have you figured out a routine that works for you? What like What is the key to you being able to stay sharp when you're catching once or twice a week?
2: Well, we just canned my my approach two days ago oh. so we just did a new thing yesterday for the first well. time so <laughs> no I'm not in a routine or anything but it, it's a hard concept um, for me to think that like I'm not expected to contribute it's not it's not an easy pill to swallow that you're like it doesn't matter if you hit or not like I because I want to hit you know I got a lot of pride in my in my offense and I don't want to just be a, a filler but um, it's good to get hits and contribute and and feel like, you know, I'm and and I know I'm I'm doing some good work behind the plate and guys, you know, I love this team and our staff and they're letting me know that I'm, I'm doing a good job back there. But I also want to hit. You know, I I like to hit. So um, just to you know get some hits and some big and some big doubles. Uh, yesterday uh, it was a good feeling.
0: What is your new routine? What were you doing that you don't like, or what what are you doing now that that uh, you kind of want to do more of?
2: Well, I think you know when you you're always practicing a swing so your swing is your swing and it's always going to be there but what's really hard when you don't get at bats is kind of the timing of like loading and getting to a good hitting position and that's that's the thing that goes out the door when you don't play for four or five days so i just could not repeat the same thing every day and it, it was just a battle and uh talking to bushy um he was like you know we just the only way you're going to get past this is to do something completely different and new. And so I basically just stand there and, <laughs> then, and then load, you know, just do like a simple move back. And uh, it just gets me in a position to execute my swing a lot easier. So basically we took out a ton of moving parts.
0: Just so you really, like you're waiting for a bus and, oh, yeah, I'm going yeah. to now swing at this pitch. Right, <laughs> yeah.
2: Essentially it just, it just allows me to get into a good position to swing.
0: That is, um, that's, that seems like it works. That's very, very no, no moving parts. It works for you. It's field. very
2: logical, <laughs> yes. And I don't know why it's taken me this long, but um, yeah, it was it was good to get that Im- that immediate result out of it. And um, you know, I, I went into the game yesterday thinking, you know, this is going to be a, a process. I'm not going to see results for a while, but uh, get a couple hits. It was was good.
0: Any major league pitching seems like it would be almost impossible, but for catchers, I always kind of wonder. You know, you, you must see the game differently, the offensive game differently because you spend so much time catching pitchers.
2: It it works both ways. I Can think you over- uh
0: overthink or something.
2: Absolutely. I'm the best at it. Best at overthinking. Um you try to think along the lines and, and I think we have such a, a mind for the scanning reports that we know our own report. Like I know what the pitcher's gonna do to me when I get in there and, and where they're gonna try to expose, so um, but I also do think, like, when you're in the game, I, I've got a really bad track record uh, in the minors of DHing because I think when you're in the flow of the game, you're tracking the baseball constantly all day. When you get in the box, it doesn't seem, you know, that bizarre. So um, uh, that definitely helps in just seeing the pitches and, and kind of being in the flow of the game. But uh, I can definitely, you know, overthink some stuff. And here comes a breaking ball for sure and then take a fastball down the middle. But,
0: well, we talked a little bit about your health earlier, and you have been, for the I'm going to find some wood and knock on it. But you've been pretty, <laughs> um, you've been pretty healthy this year. Have you? Is there anything different? Obviously, you're in, in really good shape. I know you've lost some weight. Are you doing things differently or eating differently? What's been your emphasis to to stay healthy this year?
2: Um, well, avoid the random weird injuries, right. which I've sort of done. Right. I'd say ta- I'd season. say take a ball in the face and not go <laughs> on the deal, That was a win. Um, <laughs> Just to, I think as I've gotten older, I mean, I was a big, when I was in high school, just show up to the field and walk onto the field and play and not stretch and not, and as I've gotten older, you know, you've got to get loosened up and especially in my role, you can get a lot more sore after catching if you're only doing it once or twice a week. And so it's, it's just maintaining that workout routine in the weight room. So I'm not as sore. Um, you know, getting warmed up, getting loosened up, and, and uh, just working on those areas that really give me trouble.
0: Now, you mentioned a little bit about how well this team is playing. You've got so many young players here, and obviously you're one kind of one of the younger guys. It, it seems to me like, especially over the course of the season, this team is still improving. Uh, what do you see as sort of the future of, of this team, given that the talent you have, some of the guys you have on the DL who will mm. be back you know, maybe in September or certainly next year? Uh, what, what is your, your outlook for the future of this team?
2: Well, I appreciate you saying I'm one of the younger guys. That was nice. Ish. Ish. <laughs> younger-ish. That's the thing. You see, you look around the diamond, and we've got a lot of young guys contributing. And if everybody stays here, I mean, this can be sustained for quite a while. So um, it's fun to see, you know, a lot of guys that have less than a year, you know, less than two years, being our anchors in the lineup and on defense. And um, I mean, that's it'd be fun. It'd be fun to watch for a few years. That's for sure.
0: I think that's a great way to end it. Josh Fagley, thanks so much for joining us on Ace Plus. All right, thank you. joining us today on Ace Plus, we've got a very special guest, former A's second baseman Randy Velarde, always one of my favorites to deal with, a great talker, fantastic talker. Uh, Randy, uh, I know you're still living in Texas, so are you still in Midland?
3: Still am, Susan.
0: Yeah, that's great. What are you doing?
3: Uh, just still coaching up my 12-year-old son. Just got him graduated from Little League, but still involved pretty much in the amateur ranks of baseball.
0: That's awesome. Uh, what are your memories of this 2002 team, and really your whole time uh, you were in Oakland? Because those were some really superb teams that you played on those years.
3: Oh, super! You, you know what I remember most about that? Because I'm often asked, Susan, of the 16 years that I've played. Where was the funnest place to play and hands down it was here nice you know and i was only here for a year and a half but to see you know young guys that we had just come out here because when i i came from the yankee organization being 10 years with those guys and to an extent it's almost like over analysis and how they go about approaching ball games and came over here to oakland and not that they just undermine all that but You basically just showed up and played the game. I didn't realize, especially that late in my career, that you could play the game that way so freely. And we just had such great talent back then. My gosh, when you have a Mulder, Zito, and Hudson in the top end of it, and then the the hitters we had back then. I mean, it was really enjoyable to be a part of.
0: What was it like playing behind the big three?
3: Oh, gosh. You were in every game. You were in every game. You just knew that. you know, and then the back end, the, if the, we had any kind of lead, we could shut it down. But it was just a great recipe of uh, winning baseball for sure.
0: Did you watch the movie Moneyball? I did. Yeah.
3: I did. What did you think? Did you uh, read the book? No, I didn't read the book. Just saw the movie and uh, thought it was pretty good, Yeah. really.
0: There was a Randy Velarde, and I remember he actually looked a little <laughs> bit like you. Did you did you look to see if you were in there?
3: oh yeah of course you try to do that and uh yeah he looked a lot better than i do in person oh stop it.
0: <laughs> um what do you have any favorite memories from from that team from that year i mean obviously you guys uh, did some special things
3: well you know obviously the 20 game obviously is just you knew every game whether you were up or down you're gonna win that game and uh it was bittersweet when, when we ended up losing that 21st game but you know, the whole season was just an awesome year to be a part of these guys and doing something special like that. Just which We could have gone a little further playoff-wise, obviously. A, we ran into a Buzzsaw and Yankee team, and, and we thought that we caught them at a perfect time because if you remember, they came in slumping, and, and we were hot, so uh, it, was, it was not good to end it that way.
0: Uh, do you, living in Midland, did you ever get a chance to see the, the A's Midland team there? I know your your dad worked at that ballpark for a long time, right?
3: Right, right. Uh, <laughs> many, many years. You know, this was his baby, and I tell people all the time, even when I was up in the big league, 10 years in, he still wouldn't let me take ground balls on his field. I'm like, Dad, are you kidding me? I go out there to Yankee Stadium, and take ground balls all day. You're not gonna let me take ground balls? Nope. Are you gonna get out here? But that was his baby. Don't
0: mess up my field.
3: That, that was don't his, but ba- no, I'm just so busy uh, coaching my sons Little league, league day, so it's hard to get out there. Now that now that he's done with baseball and doing football, I, I can get away now and get out there. What's his
0: name?
3: The Rockhounds.
0: Um, what's his name? Oh, AJ.
3: Yeah, yeah. AJ, oh, AJ okay. my son. Yes.
0: What position is he playing in baseball, and what, what's he playing in football?
3: he's a shortstop in baseball shortstop pitcher or thrower as I put it but pretty good head pretty good hands and not bad arm but he's got some promise this is what he loves doing and that's a start Uh, football wise he's a linebacker nice yeah Yeah.
0: all right what's it like for you being back at the Coliseum today
3: oh great bitter a lot of good memories here man it's you know, another bad day in Oakland. You feel this weather, how terrible it is. <laughs> yeah. Just so beautiful. I mean, the grass to me is always greener here than any other place. It was one of my favorite fielding parks by far, and nothing has changed.
0: Well, it's wonderful to see you here. Thanks so much for joining awesome. us. Randy Velarde.
3: Thank you so much. Always for talking to you.
0: Today on Ace Plus, we are joined by former A's pitching coach Rick Peterson, who is always uh, really an excellent person to talk to about pitching. Uh, Rick, what's it like for you to come back to this celebration of the 2002 season and and see some of these great pitchers that you had to work with then? I mean, it really was an extraordinary staff.
1: Well, I guess the best way I could say it is Yogi Berra said it best: It's déjà vu all over yeah. again. It's really, really special, and, and really starting, really bringing back you know, some moments that, um, you know, that were kind of lost in your memory, you know? I mean, the first, last night when I walked in and I looked at the dugout, and the first thing that caught my eye, because I used to stand by the bat rack when we were on offense, and the first thing I thought about was, before that game, I was standing in the bullpen, it was game three in 2001, Brad Fisher was looking at the sellout crowd and he said Rick this is going to be so cool when we close this out and I looked at Brad going like and I was standing right there on Jeter's backflip uh, and I tell that story a zillion times if you want to stand on ground level to see that play best that's the play because you're lined up where Jeter was lined up with Shane Spencer so down in that corner. Did you, ha- did
0: you realize as it was unfolding what was going to happen?
1: Oh, yeah, because Soriano was out in the outfield. Tino was out on the grass. As soon as the ball came out of Shane Spencer's hand, I'm looking at it. I go, he overshot everybody. And, and Jeter was lined up to cut off the third, which is where he's supposed to be. And as soon as he saw the ball, it was like he, there's only one person on the field to go chase the ball, it's him, because the pitcher was backing up over here. Uh, and it was like... You know, all I can think about is like all those opportunities that the Jeter backlit. You know, but seeing, you know, seeing a bunch of the guys it's just really, what we did during those years was really special. Really In fact, when I went to the Mets, they bought over 100 copies of Moneyball and and passed it out throughout the, the inter, internal staff, and I was part of doing. Uh, conference calls on doing book reports on Moneyball. That's the impact that Moneyball had cool. on the industry. Yeah. That was really cool. Really amazing.
0: Yeah, for pitching coaches, it's kind of almost an embarrassment of riches when you've got the big three in a bullpen. Like, I'm, I'm looking around at some of the guys that are here. Rincone and Messier and Jeff Tam and Billy Koch. and I mean, all these guys that have come back. That was a that was a really nice bullpen you
1: had. And Bradford. Bradford, about of Bradford, course, Bradford yes. Right, McNanny was there yeah. at the time. Yeah. Venafro. Venafro,
0: yes. Yeah. yeah.
1: Really special, yeah. and it, and I think it was also special how how close all those guys were. You know? It was really it's one of those magical times in sports. It's just a shame that we couldn't have had a break or two to get to break through. Really, to really get to the World Series because our team was good enough, but we you know the crapshoot of postseason doesn't sometimes the dice doesn't roll your way. Exactly.
0: Now, do you pay attention much to the game, and do you pay much attention to the A's? Are, are you kind of following what's going on with this year's team?
1: I'm following it from a distance. I do some MLB network once in a while, so I follow close enough. I do some SNY once in a while, but you know, I'm doing more corporate speaking and keynote workshops right now, or keynote speaking corporate workshops. So I'm, I'm more kind of looking at it from afar, but looking at it more from a, maybe the 30,000-foot view <laughs> rather than the day-to-day view. And, you know, I'm really intrigued about how the analytics is really impacting uh, the way the game is being played and the way it's being coached now. And, and thinking back on some of the things that we looked at right. back in the Moneyball days. And, and we were so far ahead of that curve, it's right. incredible. I mean, we didn't have TrackMan back then, we didn't have spin rates, but when you look at some of the analytics that we were involved with back then, it was really special to be on the cutting edge of all that. Right.
0: Yeah. Uh, and you, I understand you've written a book. Tell us about it briefly.
1: Yeah, it's called Crunch Time, how to be your best when it matters most. And it's all about the strategy of looking at a pressure situation and shift it, asking yourself, what's my opportunity? And shift it from a threat to an opportunity. So it's all about elite business people and how they manage the wall streeters and so on down how they manage business from that standpoint and pressure and and also how elite athletes have managed pressure because it's all about the mind you know when you look at for example you know you look at tom brady what why is he so special he runs faster he jumps higher you know peyton Manning. you look at those kind of guys it's because they're mind. Right. and it's about the, the ability to develop their mind it's all about the mental game and that's what the book is all about and it's done incredibly well
0: that seems like it could be helpful for anybody thank you so much for joining us today rick peterson
1: you got it thanks
0: Today on the Feldy Follies segment, we have our good friend Dave Feldman, official scorer, A's TV produce production person, uh, and stats expert extraordinaire, joins us. Uh, David, what did you think of the A's just completed homestand, uh, winning, of course, every series, including big ones against the Mariners and the Astros?
4: I thought it was it was huge, and just to. Again, quote Jonathan Lucor, who said after the Seattle loss on the Wednesday game, if we win two out of every three games the rest of the season, we're going to win the World Series. Yep. And you know what? The math works. <laughs> uh, he's absolutely correct. And that's, that's the name of the game right now for the A's is, is to win series. Um, especially going down the stretch here, they played in their last 19 series, they've won 16 of them losing only once, and that was in Colorado the sweep, and splitting the other two, but 16 series wins out of the last 19, and that's how you go 42 and 15, right? by winning series, and if they can continue to do that, and that's the goal, they're going to be in very good
0: shape. Yeah, it's pretty amazing, and one of the things that, uh, we've talked about this a little bit before, we've touched on it, but, but the thing I think that might be the best characteristic of, uh, Characteristic of this team, although it won't matter in the in the postseason, obviously, is they beat up on the teams they're supposed to, and now they get back on the road where they've been great um, and facing some sort of five hundred and sub five hundred teams. Uh, their record in games against sub five hundred teams is something like fifty two and nineteen or something like that on, and over the course of the season. Uh, I think they're in very good shape when they're when they're playing the bad teams, and that means. I I think they're definitely in it the rest of the way, and if Lucroy's theory of winning series holds true, yeah, they might be in good shape. That's all they have to do.
4: I think what stands out for me is is their resiliency. Um, Even when they do lose, how rare it's been, it doesn't seem to affect them at all. There's no carryover from a loss, and that shows you even that they've only lost back-to-back games one time during the stretch, and that was the sweep in Colorado. And that's where the offense just failed them. It's hard to believe at Coors Field that your offense can fail you. But it's They only scored four runs. But they only gave up 10 in Colorado. Uh, that's that's unbelievable. And it even them. they came home, boom, sweep the Blue Jays, sweep Detroit. Um, to me, I always go back to the game in Houston, uh, the game that ended with the strangest play of all time. Uh, and they end up losing a heartbreaker, right? They had this huge ninth inning comeback. They start to win the game in the 11th, and, and they end up losing. It didn't matter. They came back and they won the next two at Houston. Uh, And you're seeing this resiliency that no loss affects them. The loss against the Dodgers on that Tuesday night in front of a big crowd. didn't matter. Come back, win the next night. Um, And I think that's going to hold through. They're very – they're kind of businesslike in a way. I know everybody talks about how fun and the chemistry and the the saves team seems to have. But there's a businesslike quality to them that every game they just come in and they're ready to take care of business. And if they can keep that attitude – through this rest of the season because there is going to be a loss or two that's going to be heartbreaking. Again, they will be fine, and they're going to be in good position.
0: It's funny you say business. Like, I, I've talked about that a lot with John Shea when he's on the bod- podcast because I agree with you. I, I mean, I kind of see the fun thing. They are young, you know, that they have some personality. But they're not. this is not one of those A's, wild and wacky, super colorful teams. This team doesn't actually have that much pizzazz. Uh, um, they're a team of Jed Lowry's. He really has been an influence on the younger players and in a very good way. They're routine-oriented. They're methodical. They have these great at-bats, which has really been the key for their offense this year. And, uh, you know, hey, it's not the most exciting bunch necessarily in the clubhouse. It's not a huge collection of great quotes or anything. Um, but uh, yeah, Luke Roy said because he is pretty phenomenal. But, uh, yeah, they're they're just getting the job done. And to me, you know, they they have this tendency, especially after off days, to lose the first game of a series after an off day, and then come back and win the next two. They've been that's kind of been their routine. Their 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 record in <laughs> in games after you know the All Star break or after a, a day or two, day off is not great, <laughs> but it hasn't affected them at all. So that's really important when you get to a playoff situation, and there are lots of days off.
4: Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Coming down the stretch, right? Because there's a, there's a lot of Thursday off days coming up oh, yeah. here in uh, September um, for them to be able to keep that to to break that that streak of, of losing after off days and winning. But yeah, that goes it does. It goes to their business like quality of routine oriented uh, of getting the job done. And you know, we talk about this being a young team. You know, what, you know what's not young? The starting pitch staff. It's not Those
0: young. The pitchers are not young. It's not young. <laughs> we will agree you on know? that.
4: Um, As as Pedro Martinez pointed out in his tweet earlier this week, these old goats are getting it done, and and there's something about that too. It's so Um, funny.
0: And it's actually really funny because when you look at it, Brett Anderson's only 30, but he was 21 when he was here before.
4: (laughs) Yeah, these guys, they have some tread on the tire, um, and they have this experience. And I think for those guys, especially for Cahill and Anderson, watching them pitch, um, especially Anderson lately, I'm seeing him pitch with joy. Yeah. And maybe it's just because he's healthy for the first time in a long time for an extended period now. Uh, his pitches are working. He's getting guys out. He's working faster than ever. And he's just he's hopping off the mound. I mean, you're seeing this actual this exuberance with him. And, and Cahill, too, the way he's pitching, his body language is very different than when he was a younger player. Um, and he's talking about maturity, guys who have pitched, pitched around. Um, and it's showing and that's where the joy and the craft that these guys are showing on the hill.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's funny. They're they are they're kind of the ones with more personality than maybe the position players. Um, the Brett Anderson thing, it's really interesting. You know, the A's started acquiring all these relievers, and Anderson was one of the first ones where uh, right after they'd acquired Fernando Rodney, he was limited to, to five five innings. And uh, it in gave me his pitching pretty well. You know, I think he'd given up two runs at Anaheim at that point. And he was clearly, you know, he didn't say anything wrong after the game, but he did say, like, look, I'm a starting pitcher. I want to get deep into the game. That's that's the, I guess I'm going to have to kind of rethink the way I do things because this is the way you're taught to go deep into games, and that's what you want to do. He was clearly a little taken aback to come, come out after five innings. And since then, he has just, it's been like, all right, I am going to prove to you you can't take me out of the game, which that's great. It, kind of all of the starters have been doing that.
4: Yeah, they actually kind of took that, uh, they took a little back from that, right? Because Bob Melvin said, we are going to rethink this, and we are going We have a deep bullpen, we might go to them earlier, and it was almost like collectively, uh, they said, no, no, we're staying on the hill, <laughs> this is what not going to happen, we're going to prove. What are you
0: talking about?
4: We're... Exactly. So, you know, you look at Brett Anderson, especially his last two, Seattle, again, phenomenal, seven and two-thirds, seven and two-thirds, only 83 pitches. Uh, against Texas, seven innings, one hit, only 93 pitches. Um, and you stay on the hill by doing what? Not giving up hits and not walking anybody.
0: Yeah.
4: A- and that's what they're doing. And they're, they're – sh- Blake Trinan has not been in a game since Saturday. God, um Which is actually a little bit of an issue because he needs to pitch more. He does. Um, uh, cause he <laughs> Who, tends to come out a little would be wild. Saying that? <laughs> exactly. Well, what's going on? Why isn't Trinan? So – you know, this is a massaging. You want this. You want your pitchers to go deep. You don't want your bullpen to be overtaxed. And it's nice to see Brett Anderson take ownership after saying that and saying, "No, I'm not coming off this. These are my games." And he has pitched extremely well. And even if you look at before that five inning game, the game against Detroit where he went seven innings giving up only two hits, yeah. he has been a revelation. And this is a guy. And I heard this story earlier this week that basically he during spring training he basically ran into Billy Bean. Somewhere in, in Arizona.
0: Yeah, and Scott really also wrote do. about that, yeah, today. Yeah.
4: What are you doing? Uh nothing. I don't have a job. Well compass us. That's you know, that's when you have magical season.
0: Those yeah. sort
4: of things need to happen.
0: Yeah. That's the very two thousand and twelve where the A's kind of found a third baseman and a first baseman out of nowhere and Wound up with one of their best relievers, having been a first baseman the, the year before. So, uh, yeah, it's it's absolutely great. Ch- sort of a challenge accepted situation, which is wonderful. I get asked a lot recently who would start a wild card game for the A's. And, you know, a few weeks ago I might have said Sean Um More recently... Uh, probably would have said Edwin Jackson you know he's certainly got the confidence and the cool and he's got the most postseason experience but Brett Anderson did as you'll remember throw a very nice postseason game in 2012 Uh, and he's left-handed and he's pitching great you know if he keeps doing this throwing out another challenge for him Brett if he keeps doing this for what the last five weeks of the season you'd have to consider him I mean it's uh He's, he's been excellent. Mike Fires has been a little bit of a revelation to me. I was underwhelmed, I must say, about the acquisition. He's been very solid, more than solid.
4: Yeah, I, I'm shocked, too. I was like, okay, I mean, Fires is better than what we have, so i was happy with that. i so like, he's, he's, he's no great shakes. Uh, he's come out and pitched extremely well. He pitches. This is another thing about this starting staff. All five of them are different, right? They don't yeah. pitch the same. And, and fires is the guy who comes out and works up high in the zone, which we don't see from any other A's pitcher. He doesn't throw extremely hard, but he works the upper part of the strike zone and has been effective. And if you remember the Seattle game where he came out he, and we found out after the game, he had a little bit of a glute problem and he didn't have much. And he battles through six innings, only giving up two runs. And then his last start against Texas for the first two innings has no idea where the ball is going, but gets through two shutout innings, they make the adjustment, and then he's lights out. For for seven innings in that game, only given one hit, and he's got a little bulldog mentality to him. Um, you know, he's got he's got history in this league. He's pitched, he's thrown a no hitter. Um, you're right. This is another guy who's qualified to pitch a postseason game. Um, you actually have four pretty good choices to start that game. And again, if we're talking just a wild card game with this A's bullpen, you're hoping for a guy who can really. If you get four solid innings, you're feeling really well in a wild card game.
0: It's funny. The one guy that we haven't talked about is Manaya, and you know the fact that Manaya has spoken so often about sort of his struggles with confidence makes me the guy, makes him the guy I kind of would worry about in a postseason situation. He can be erratic. I mean, his when he's on, he's their best starter. So you kind of got to yeah. weigh that. You know, which guy are you going to get? Um, but you know, I guess good good problem staff. Trevor Cahill has very nice experience in a bullpen in a uh, playoff situation. So. Uh, yeah, it's weird. They are actually setting up not badly at all for for a post season with the rotation, and that was the one thing where I thought like, ah, if they get to the post season, great. But what are they going to do with the rotation? Well, maybe it's better than we all expected. Now, uh, another uh, topic that came up during the homestand was Chris Davis MVP candidate. Where do you stand on that?
4: Well, I think he's he's in. He's getting votes in the top ten. I, I don't think he he can't right. Numbers you're you're tied for the league in home runs, you're second in RBIs, and what you're doing for your team, right? Most valuable player, not just the best hitter, but but what you're meaning to the team. Now, two guys in Boston, and JD Martinez and Mookie Betts, probably having a better overall season number-wise. Uh, the two guys in Cleveland, Jose Ramirez, uh, Francisco Lindor, there too. Mike Trout, who's been hurt now, I think that's going to hurt his candidacy, uh, and you know the team's not great. So you got chris davis right there in the five or six spot i think should be on many ballots i think he's right there
0: yeah i mean that's the beauty of the mvp ballot and i'm I'm a annual mvp voter is that it does go 10 places so you wind up with guys who are deserving actually getting legit consideration and the down votes wind up being fairly important Uh, he's got to be a guy who would be considered uh at least somewhere on every ballot I would be astonished if he was. And, you know, he doesn't have maybe the war and things, you know, some that some voters now really, really look for. I get that. Um, but what he's meant for this team, if that's the spirit in which voters take the award, as I do, uh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, Chapman's got to be on there, too. Uh, and, and Blake Trinan, somebody I would think might get some a little bit of down votes and certainly should be uh, getting some, some consideration in the Cy Young balloting. So... Uh, that's going to be interesting interesting fall. Now, now, Chris gets very hot and very cold when it comes to um, home runs, so he's been super hot since the break. At some point, he's likely to probably cool down a little bit, um, though, of course, we know he'll get to 40. I hope that that doesn't uh, impact things. But the, what I really like is the last time we saw that stretch where he hit one homer in 29 games, he was contributing in every other way offensively, especially, you know, he's turned into a guy who hits a lot of doubles. Uh, and he certainly um, is getting big hits late in games of, of every sort. So uh, I, I, a year or two ago, you'd be like, "Yeah, well, he's hit a bunch in a couple of weeks, so he's really going to cool down and do nothing. But it no longer means he's just going to strike out all the time.
4: No, he's a much better hitter. Um, and you're seeing him take the base hits to drive and runs. Um, he was walking a little less than last year, but, but like you mentioned, he's doubling more. Uh, for the full season last year, he had 28 doubles. He's already got 24 this year. Um, his OPS is over 900, which would be a, a career high. Um, and just, is he's clutch. And, and I know some people put down the RBI stat. I You watch baseball every day. A guy who drives and runs is so valuable. So valuable. It, there is something about it. Oh,
0: there um,
4: is. And he, you know, he's got 102. Last year, he set his career high was 110. He should pass that with... 35 games to go. I mean, he should just—he should fly by that, and the way he's hitting and his calmness at the plate. The thing thats, that's interesting is—and there's been real not a lot of discussion about this, but this is the first time he's been a DH uh, full time. He's played a lot of outfield his first two years with the A's, um, and to make that change, and it's been seamless. It's seamless. and he's improved. And I know he had his his defensive defensive uh, inefficiencies, especially with throwing. Uh, but he was an okay ball catcher out there. He tracked Absolutely. the ball pretty well, um, but he's made this adjustment seamlessly, and it's been really, really impressive.
0: Yeah, I, he's. I think he's a better defensive player than people give him credit for. These have certainly had their share of outfielders who can't throw, and that's that's you know he gets where to the balls he should, uh, and he you know makes the plays on fly balls that he should. He's just not gonna. Um, me with his arm the ace head back out on the road uh opening a series here in minnesota and then they go on to houston um and that's it with houston so uh kind of big series not big series how do we see that
4: huge series i, I think every every game against houston is just huge not a make or break series it's not going to make or break the season by any means because you finish with houston uh and it's still august right you still have a whole month to go so a huge series in the fact you want to make statements you want to win series um, and Houston's schedule and, and we play the schedule game I know you still have to play the game um, Houston's schedule lays out maybe a little easier than the A's do, um, especially when it comes to the last week of the season where Houston goes three at Toronto four at boss ba- uh, four at Baltimore uh, two teams that are nowhere near major league teams at this time. Um, so that's a little bit of an advantage for them. So you need to get the wins, and you need to give Houston the losses when you can. And when you have them, you know, it's up to you to do it. They're in your own hand. you got to take care of business.
0: Yeah, that's, that should be a lot of fun. Well, David Feldman, thanks as always for joining us for Feld Follies. We will talk to you again sometime in the next week or two. And uh, in the meantime, keep a close eye on everything going on for us.
4: All right, thanks, Susan.
0: A's Plus is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. I'd love it if you'd rate, review, and subscribe to A's Plus wherever you get your podcasts. This show is produced by King Kaufman and Fernando Diaz. For more A's coverage, follow me on Twitter at Susan Slusser and get all our coverage at sfchronicle.com. Our theme music is So Easy by Hazar. We use it under a Creative Commons attribution license via the Free Music Archive.
4: This is Jason Fagoni, reporter at The Chronicle, inviting you to listen to Toxic. Along with my colleague here, Cynthia Dizekes, we are investigating one of the biggest stories in San Francisco right now. The troubled cleanup of the former Hunters Point Naval Shipyard, a super fun waste site, and the cleanup of other Navy sites around the Bay Area. We are getting into environmental racism here. We are getting into fraud, scandal, basically trying to get to the bottom of this story that is about San Francisco's past is also shaping its future. Toxic wherever you get your podcasts.